Welcome to Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina, a movie lover. And I'm Sonia, a movie not lover. My mission is to make Sonia watch all the movies she's never seen. And my mission is to watch more movies and not always have to say, Nope, Never Saw It. So we started this podcast. We hope you enjoy it. So Gina? Yes, Sonia? I'm ready. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina, and with me always is the beautiful Sonia. Sonia. That was way too cheery for like grunge. It should you know, have been more screaming. You know what it should have been? It should have been na 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 Sonia. Oh, yeah. That's what it should have been. Yeah. But well, it is now. It is now. It is now. <laughs> Oh, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm okay. I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. <laughs> yeah. It's starting to feel like the end of the year and like the slow crawl to the finish line. Yeah. I feel I kind of. That. Could you try again? Ooh. Oh, my watch. <laughs> my watch is talking to me. And Okay. She said that it feels like a crawl to the finish line. <laughs> I said that, and then she somehow thought I said her name, which is S-I-R-I. Oh, okay. I know. I was just telling her because she said I didn't get that. So I was yeah. like, she said. Oh, I see. I was trying to clarify for your watch what you oh, said. Thank you. You're welcome. Anytime. It's what friends do. <laughs> well, Sonia, I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm like a little low energy today. <laughs> Good thing there is cold brew in our drink. I know, right? Well, we will get to that, um, and we are going to be talking about singles today, but before we do that, we are going to start with our traditional friendship. All right. Well, my friend Cher, Sonia, you actually already know this one because we got to go out last week for our annual Oktoberfest meal. That was so much fun. It was so delightful and very noisy. Very noisy. So like, noisy. Felt like we were in a New York City bar noisy. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, and just so everyone knows there was there was an older couple sitting next to us and the the husband um oh kept wanting to talk to us, which was like very sweet, but not <laughs> you like couldn't blame him because we're no. so you know, we're clearly so intriguing. I know, I know. Um, but but I already shared this with Sonia, but I just want to bring this up because for our longtime listeners, you may remember, or maybe you don't, but I'm just going to bring it up again anyway. This was probably like maybe a year. This is probably early on in our podcast. So we're talking a year and a half ago. And I told Sonia that I had made a goal to run a half marathon this fall. And I was going to try and beat my PR. Well, I'm going to say that I did train for a half marathon. Um, when I got more into the training, I decided I didn't want to try and beat my PR. I really just wanted to be able to finish the race. And my training went really, really well. And a week before the half marathon, I broke my pinky toe and then I couldn't run it. <laughs> so that sucked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about terrible timing. 
It really, really sucked. I will say though, I did go to the race to cheer on Ivana. Um, I, I parked myself at mile nine, which happened to be up a, a really long hill. So I got to see her run and I got to cheer her on and I gave her a hug and I ran like 20 yards with her. Um, and, and it, I was so proud of her, but, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was hard. I, I, I went through all the feels. So, and yeah, I grieved, I went through the grieving process. I bet you did. Cause yeah. that's something you were really looking forward to and you had put a lot of time and effort into it. So then to not do it, I can only imagine. Yeah, I did. I, I, uh, I ended up calling my sister on Sunday and as soon as she answered the phone, I pretty much like broke down into tears and I was like, Aww. Oh, so sad. <laughs> well, do you think maybe you will try to do something else soonish or I don't know. I'm going to see how I feel once I can start running again. Um, I, I just don't. And also I want to see what the weather is like, because I'm not a fan of running in the freezing cold. Yeah. Um, it's not my thing. Uh, running is more of like a spring, summer, fall season sport for me. So, but here's my takeaway is that I know I could do it. Um, I know that the training is not, um, out of the realm of possibility anymore, even as even, even as I'm getting older. So I'm going to, I'm going to pack that in my little suitcase and I'm going to carry it with me and see if I decide to try again. Well, you know what I was thinking about earlier this week in eight days, I believe is the 10 year anniversary of the marathon that you and Sean ran. Oh my gosh. It's been 10 years. Yeah. Cause wasn't it 2012? Holy shit. <laughs> You're right. Oh my God. Aw. He and I should go for a, a run, a short run, just to commemorate. You should. The occasion. You should. He would love that. Aw. Well, that's exciting. Well, that's my friend share, Sonia. Okay. Um, well, my friend share is sort of a continuation of what we talked about at dinner last week. Um, so everyone, I was telling Gina that I wanted to really like purge my closet because I just feel like I still have so much stuff. I don't wear stuff that doesn't fit stuff from like, you know, a lot of like work clothes for like going in the office, which I don't really need anymore. So I did actually a huge, huge purge over the weekend. And I did such a good job that I decided to like treat myself by like, taking an inventory of what was left and then seeing like, is there something I don't have that I would really want? So I got like a cute green sweater. But one thing I also bought and treated myself to are white high top Converse sneakers because I've wanted them for so long. <laughs> and I actually did buy them maybe a year and a half or two years ago, but they didn't fit. So I returned them and then I just never got them again. And then I was like, why didn't I get those so I did and now I have them and they arrived today and they fit perfectly and I'm very excited yay yeah I feel like it was really I was telling Gina this um so listeners this is just for you it was very tempting to just literally throw out all of my clothes and just start from the beginning like I I think about having a capsule wardrobe every so often which I don't think I could quite consolidate to that but I do want to just like simplify what is a capsule wardrobe? Like, what does that mean? Exactly? So I think it can depend on how you do it, but it's like, you basically have like 10, anywhere between 10 to 20 pieces of clothing mm -hmm. and they're all fairly neutral and they 
tend to go well together. So like, that's all you have. Hmm. And then you just create different outfits from those pieces of clothing. But because, because of the way that they are, you can create like any number of combinations just because like, you know, a white t-shirt and a gray skirt or Mm -hmm. a white t-shirt and black pants. Um, So I don't think I'm quite to that point, but yeah. Yeah. Consolidating really felt like the right thing to do. I don't even think I could do that when I go down the shore for a week. Oh, me neither. (laughs) I mean, not that I go down to the shore for a week, but like, you know, anytime I have to pack, it's, there's definitely extra pieces of clothing that come along just in case. Yeah. But I, I like this idea. This intrigues me. I almost want to, it almost feels like a challenge to me. Like I, like if I could go through my wardrobe and just pick like, what are my 20 most essential pieces? Mm -hmm that I could mix and match just to see if I could even pull it off, but I wouldn't actually get rid of all the other clothes that I have. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll start a second podcast about this journey. I know, this clothing right? journey, because I could really go on and on, but we don't have time. We don't have so. time. We have things to talk about, like this delicious drink, Sonia. This drink is so delicious. Have you tried yours yet? I haven't yet. Okay. Well, as I said before, Gina's low energy, but we have a little bit of cold brew in our drink, so it will bring up the energy. Um, so what we're drinking is a coffee old fashioned. Um, and I chose this drink for two reasons. Number one being that in the film Singles, um, one of the characters works in a coffee shop and they spend some time there. And I thought, oh, it'd be good to incorporate coffee into our beverage. But the other name for a coffee old fashioned is Black Hole Sun. Which is quite possibly Soundgarden's uh, most well-known song. Not my favorite, but one of their most well-known. I did also, Gina, one piece of clothing I did not get rid of. I wore my Soundgarden t-shirt for recording this podcast. Because I am going to talk about Soundgarden a lot. I figured. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But anyway, this drink is bourbon, cold brew, simple syrup, orange bitters, regular aromatic bitters, and chocolate bitters with Gina and I were both very, very excited about. Yep. Um, This drink is so good. I'm excited to try it. And it says to put a liberal amount of chocolate bitters. So I did. I did too. And cheers. Cheers. Oh. Oh. Right. I think this is going to like be in a, in a rotation for me. I'm also really happy to have gotten orange bitters because Orange bitters normally go in a regular old fashioned and like you can make it without it, but I feel like it really makes the drink the drink. And I always want to make one, but then I never do because I didn't have orange bitters, but now I do. I have to say, I feel like this drink has layers of tastes. Like I'm when I took my first sip, I definitely tasted the bourbon. But then the coffee flavor just like kind of emerged from there. And then a little bit of the chocolate. Like this is, um, this is, this is, uh, and I'm not a coffee drinker. Sonia actually, when she texted me the recipe, she said, are you okay with this? And I said, yeah, it's fine. Um, but I do now have a giant thing of Starbucks cold brew in my <laughs> fridge. And I only, I only used half an ounce. <laughs> I know. Well, maybe you'll make this drink a lot. Maybe. <laughs> All right, Sonia, shall we dive into this film? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. We are going to be talking about Singles, which was released in 1992 
written and directed by Cameron Crowe. This is our third Cameron Crowe film, starring Bridget Fonja as Janet Livermore, Campbell Scott as Steve Dunn, Kira Sedwick as Linda Powell, Sheila Kelly as Debbie Hunt, Jim Trufost as David Bailey, Matt Dillon as Cliff Poncier, and Bill Pullman as Dr. Jeffrey Jameson. And Sonia, in the tradition of Nope, Never Saw It, I have made a list of films that are connected to the names that I've just read. I'm going to share these film titles with you. And if you've seen it, you say, duh, Gina, of course I've seen it. God! (laughs) (laughs) And if you haven't seen it, what do you say? Nope, never saw it. Okay. Now, (laughs) that's my Napoleon Dynamite Mm. impression. Um, As I said, this is our third Cameron Crowe film. I I think I've already shared every Cameron Crowe film in our Say Anything episode and our um, shit. What was it called? Almost famous. <laughs> Thank you. I almost said American Splendor. I don't know. I was like, it starts with an A. I I am just, I'm so sorry. <laughs> don't apologize good. to me. Apologize to Cameron Crowe. Okay. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm, I'm going to hold it together. I'm doing the best I can. Um, but I will, I will get into our actors. So Bridget Fonda, who plays Janet, was also in the movie Shag. Nope, never saw it. Okay. I love Shag. It's a fun movie. Um, Campbell Scott, who played Steve Dunn, was also in The Amazing Spider-Man. Nope. Never saw it. Okay. Kira Sedwick was in The Edge of Seventeen. Mm, uh, uh, nope. Never saw it. Okay. Sheila Kelly was in Soap Dish. Nope. Never saw it. Okay. Jim Trufost was in The Hudsucker Proxy. Nope, never saw it. Matt Dillon was in The Outsiders. Nope, never saw it. To be fair, I've never seen it either. Okay. I'm pretty right. con- I I am I am pretty confident that I've never seen The Outsiders. If I did, I don't remember it at all. Um and then Bill Pullman was in Spaceballs. I have seen that. Okay. It's really little, which <laughs> seems inappropriate, so I don't really remember it. No, I saw I saw it when I was little too. There are a lot of movies that I saw when I was really little that I should not have seen. Mm-hmm. But okay, Sonia. Well, you know what? It's okay. I definitely want to show you Shag. That movie is so fun. It's like one of those movies that's not really great, but it's good. Okay. If that makes any sense at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, moving on. In our effort to prove that the television show Friends is the center of all things, Sonia, I have two Friends connections, and I feel like you probably have the same Friends connections. I'm sure I do. Yes. Um, I will let you choose. I'll let you go first. Which one do you want to share? Um, I don't know. Um, I guess I'll choose the one that is... Direct, but not direct. Okay. I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. And it's so interesting because as I was watching this film, I was like, this is basically friends because the whole concept is people who live in an apartment complex and they're friendly and they have, it shows you their lives and their love lives and some of them intersect and some of them don't. And so apparently Warner Brothers tried to turn singles into a television series, but Cameron Crowe was like not into it. So then later... He saw that his movie Singles would become a TV show 
created by David Crane and Mar- Marta Kaufman, who, of course, are the creators of Friends. So he tried to get this to stop. He like called his lawyer, tried to stop it, but NBC went ahead with the idea anyway. And a lot of what they were putting together is what ended up actually being Friends. <laughs> um, so this movie essentially inspired the television show Friends. And apparently Cameron Crowe's mom still calls him like to this day. And it's like, you really messed up that Friends deal. Right. Mom, stop. I mean, she's right. He kind of did. He kind of did. Yeah. I, you know, what's funny is that I didn't even think about that at Hmm. all. That wasn't even on my radar. But when when I was um, researching some information about the film that came up and I was like, this is so amazing. And I said, I'm sure Sonia has also read this. I did. And it was funny because I actually had written down like for Friends Connections, I wrote that down and I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, like I always try to like sometimes do a creative one. Yeah. And then I read this and I was like, oh, (laughs) I guess I'm not that creative. (laughs) You know, I think it didn't occur to me is because Yes, they're all single, living in the same apartment complex, but none of them room together. Maybe that mm. was maybe that was it for me. That's I fair. Felt, I felt like even though they they all lived in the same complex, they weren't really close. But we'll get we'll get into that. So the other friends connection, and Sonia, I'm sure you this was the other one that you had was James the Gross, um, who plays Andy in singles, was also in an episode of Friends. He was in the one with the tea leaves. Where he's, I believe, is he, is he, is he dating Phoebe and he's, he's kind a, of a jerk? He's a very creepy guy. And you know, what's funny. I don't have that one. Oh, <laughs> so, but, but I like, I must've missed it because I was like, that guy was on friends and I looked mm-hmm. on his IMDP page and I couldn't, and I didn't see it, but okay. I, I might've just missed it. That's so funny. Yeah. He, I remember him being like kind of creepy in the mm-hmm. episode. Um. Well then we have three. So then the <gasps> other one I have. In when uh, Linda's in the hospital, mm-hmm. there's a nurse there, and the nurse is played by a woman named Amy Hill. Mm-hmm. And Amy Hill was in the episode, the one with all the candy. Um, remember when Monica like makes all the the Christmas candy, and then yeah. like the neighbors are there. She's the one who like <laughs> she has some line that's like, "Oh yes, give it to me" or something, and then Joey's like, "She's the one who has loud sex." Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so crazy i wonder if it's the nurse i'm thinking of where there was there more than one nurse or just the one nurse i think there was just the one nurse and i think it was that scene yeah because because she was also if it's who i'm thinking of i think she was also in 50 first dates oh and maybe, maybe and maybe another adam sandler movie maybe huh wow so we have three friends connections yeah this is i mean I feel like, I mean, is anybody else like impressed that we've been able to do this every episode? I'm impressed. Me too. <laughs> that wasn't me. That was someone else. That was a On the street walking by. <laughs> Sonia has fans that hang out outside her house when we're recording. Yeah. On the cul-de-sac. <laughs> On the cul-de-sac. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on, Sonia, in our last episode, when I told you we were going to be watching singles, I asked you what you thought the movie was about. So, Sonia, are you ready for me to read back to you your original plot summary, word for word? I do recall being very excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. 
Everybody, this is Sonia's original plot summary for singles. People are in Seattle and they're single and they don't really want to be single. And that's cool because, you know, sometimes you want to just find a partner that you love. But a lot of like grunge people are in it. Like Chris Cornell, I think Lane Staley. And that's why I'm interested. It's really about the grunge. <laughs> I mean, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and I did explain my reasons for being into it. Yes. All right. Um, would you like to hear my revised summary, Gina? No. Okay. <laughs> Actually, no, go ahead. No, it's too late now. <laughs> I really, really want to hear it. <laughs> the moment has passed. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. We need some like metal, not metal, like grunge music in the background. Oh, you okay. know, I got you. <laughs> Let's take a group of 20 something year olds who live in an apartment complex in Seattle and who are looking for someone to love them. There's Linda and Steve who aren't sure if they can or should trust if what they found in each other is the real thing. Debbie hopes to find someone who is ready to go to Debbie country, where the flavor is. And Janet just wants someone who will say bless you when she sneezes. Now throw in some of the greatest grunge bands of all time, and you've got singles. Nice. Thanks. This was also like, just like your original plot summary, you got right to the point. I did. You did. Yeah. All right. Well... Let's get into our discussion of this movie, Sonia. I don't remember exactly the first time that I saw it. I definitely, I'm pretty confident that I didn't see this movie until either I was in college or until um, I was in my like mid twenties. Um, I remember really liking it. I, and what's interesting is that watching it now because it's been a really long time since I've watched it and I thought it was a movie I saw once or twice but I think I probably saw it many 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 times because there were parts where I started reciting lines oh with funny. the movie and I was like oh I guess I've seen this a lot <laughs> um but this like like so many other films that we've watched it's it um it amazes me how my age affects my reaction to the film. I think when I was in my 20s, I I felt that the story was a lot more relatable than it is now. And I found myself remembering how there were certain characters and couples that I rooted for. And then this time around, I just kind of threw my hands up in the air and I was like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> so, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about this, but before we even dive into all this stuff, Sonia, what was your first impression of the movie? So this movie came out in 1992. Yes. So I was eight or nine when it came out. And I feel like I remember seeing like the commercial trailers for it, but like, I wasn't super aware of it, but like, I think it's stuck in my head that like, it's a movie and oh, like probably like Bridget Fonda was a, familiar name or something mm -hmm. um but then I remember you know I I don't know when I started really getting into grunge music but I was grunge music like an old person <laughs> the grunge music but I wasn't that much older it was still the 90s but I remember like seeing the music video for Alice in Chains' Chains's song, Wood, which is in the film, they perform it live, and in the music video. So it's funny, I actually remember 
like I was saying to Sean, I was like, didn't that music video have clips from the movie in it? And he's like, I have no idea. So I actually watched the music video earlier today and it doesn't have clips from the film, but it has like there. So the video is mostly them performing the song, but then there's like scenes of people on the street and every so often they show like the movie poster. Mm -hmm. So I remember, I remember that clearly from the video. And so I feel like when I would watch that music video, I was like, oh, that's a movie I should probably watch. Like if this song is on the soundtrack, I'd probably like that movie, Mm -hmm. but then I never did. So anyway, (laughs) cut to however many years later, I, I liked the movie. I mean, I don't think it's the best movie of all time. Um, I don't I don't even know that I would proactively watch it again, but if it was on, I would definitely not turn the TV off or if someone said, "Do you want to watch singles?" I would say, "Sure." Um the main draw for me, of course, was the like all the like I loved all of the um all of the cameos from, you know, people from Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and then like you know, those people were in the film, but then also someone was wearing like a Green River t-shirt. They kept showing the Mother Love Bone stuff in Seattle, like the wall in Seattle. So I loved, I loved all of that. That was like, that was it for me. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you could definitely say that this film is a love letter to Seattle and, Mm -hmm. and that music scene. I think they're, you know, and someone like you who really appreciates music and has that foundation and that knowledge can pick up on those those little details those easter eggs you know that that other people someone like me like I I mean I I grew up you know I was the 90s the grunge I was I was middle school high school um I loved Pearl Jam I listened to Pearl Jam all the time um but I don't it's it's interesting how like you know I was a musician growing up but I just uh I feel so detached from like, I think I love music. And then I talk to you and I'm like, do I? No, but, <laughs> but I, I'm like a giant nerd. No, but that's so great. Cause I love how you bring that. And I knew, and it's funny when I was, um, when I was reading up on the film, there were all of these little pieces of information about the, you know, the musicians and the bands. And I was like, nah, eh, Sonia's going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't even bring up, like, there's a, I think, I think the band is called Ted or the and there's like I saw the guy and I was like oh it's that guy yeah yeah anyway can I tell you just unrelated that I'm feeling like my heart beating from the caffeine the oh no (laughs) I feel it it's like hey oh no well if you're awake awake now yeah I was gonna say if you're awake at like three o'clock in the morning I'm really sorry that's okay it's fine um no um to your point that you made earlier about how it's, you know, it's a good movie. I, I didn't think, you know, this is the third Cameron Crowe film that we've watched. And of the three, I think that this is, I'm I'm going to say, I think that it's not as strong as the other two. I'm going to make that case. And, wow. and, and I think there's some things that are going to come up in our conversation, even our categories where I'm probably going to get a lot of hate, but it's just, you know, it's my opinion yeah, there. I felt like there were moments where I was watching the film and I was thinking to myself, I'm not sure if he knew, aside from paying, you know, homage to Seattle and the music scene. And, and I'd read of this Rolling Stone article um, 
that came out at the for the 25th anniversary, he was talking about how he really wanted to um one of the things that he was trying to do with this film was show how kind of show how he's growing up because he wrote he wrote the screenplay for Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which takes place in a high school. Say anything is about high schoolers and 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 I think when he wrote this film, I believe he was I want to say he was in his like 20s, maybe late 20s. Cameron Crowe, I know you're listening. I'm sorry if I got it wrong, but he wanted to but he wanted to like have his stories grow up with him mm-hmm. to kind of reflect where he was in life. And and I appreciate that. I, but I felt like there were there were things that were missing for me. Um, one of them being the relationship between um cliff and janet i when i said before how there were there were moments where i just kind of threw my hands up in the air and was like i i don't get it i had a really hard time understanding their relationship beyond the surface that level that we were given Mm -hmm. we know that she's really really into him she sees them as boyfriend girlfriend we find out that he's been, you know, oh, you know, we, we, you know, I'm seeing other people. Right. And she's like, oh, that's cool. Um, and then she finally realizes what the hell am I doing here? And she breaks up with them. She has some agency and she breaks up with them and it's over. And then he misses her and then they're in an elevator and she sneezes and he says, God bless you. And then she's like, that's it. He's the one I just felt like, and I, and I know I'm, I'm oversimplifying the relationship, but I felt like there wasn't enough for me. I didn't, there wasn't because here's what I thought. I, the way I saw it, I felt like the way she was acting in the beginning when we're being shown that she is way more into this relationship than he is. I felt like her character seemed almost kind of like suffocating and just, you know, sort of like hanging on to him and was very clingy. Um, and, but then she leaves, but there wasn't, and and I, I couldn't understand why he missed her because I didn't, there wasn't enough, there weren't any moments between them in the beginning that showed that there was any sort of real intimacy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when she breaks up with them and all of a sudden he like misses her and he's like, you know, filling her apartment with flowers and everything, which is, which is sweet, but I just didn't, I didn't get the turnaround. I felt like the, so much of the, of the film focused on, um, on Steve and Linda, which is fine. I, I like that story a lot. And I felt like the Janet Cliff love story just didn't have enough meat to it. Hmm. I don't know what, what your thoughts are on that. It's maybe so you can in- fill in some of the gaps for maybe. me. Maybe. It's so interesting because I was way more invested in the um in the Janet Cliff storyline and not even really the two of them together but more Mm -hmm. janet like finding her way out of it and realizing that like this clingy person i've been is not who i want to be and he's not worth it where then with steven janet you know i like whenever there's a movie and there's like two people who are so clearly into each other and then like something happens 
to pull them apart. And then it just like kind of falls apart because it's a little bit of a misunderstanding or mm-hmm. like a lack of communication. You know, that always makes me crazy. Yeah. So then when they, you know, when that, when that happens and I'm sure, you know, losing a child is I'm sure a traumatic experience. Um, I just, I, I just felt like there was such an, like a quick move to abandon this relationship that they were both really excited about and then like a misunderstanding because she's like you were only asking me to marry you because I was pregnant and now I'm not anymore and now I'm going to go on a boat and now I'm going to get back together with my ex-boyfriend so like that storyline infuriated me yeah maybe not infuriated I mean you know I wasn't that that it's okay if you were infuriated (laughs) um, but that storyline like annoyed me maybe is the better word for it um whereas I felt like with I mean I agree like that scene that last scene in the elevator where Janet sneezes and Cliff just says bless you and I'm like really that's all it takes for him to win you back and I guess he'd been making gestures but I agree that was sort of like come on come on Janet it made me feel like Cameron Crowe didn't know how to write women Mm. Which is a really harsh thing to say because I do think he's he's a wonderful writer. And but I and, you know, when we talked about say anything and I was like, I think it's about Diane Court. And, you know, and I and mm-hmm. I think that her like I think her arc and that in say anything is is really strong. I just I, I felt like I felt like Janet's arc and, and Cliff's that that story with Cliff. It was it was so two dimensional. I was just missing something. Um and it, like, not only, yeah, like, not only like, why does, why does it just that, that, that's, that's all you want is just someone who says, bless you when you like, that's just sad, you know, yeah. like you need to, you need to want more than that. And, and I think I wish that it, it was another one of those situations where it's like, I kind of wish that she ended up on her own, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and just, and was okay with it, you know, or and, with the doctor. I was expecting, like, when she was at that doctor's appointment, I was expecting her to sneeze, and then he would say, bless you, and then that would be the relationship. Yeah, I mean, okay, Janet, here's a very, you know, a very nice, handsome doctor who could take you for all your money and give you boobs, but chooses not to because he thinks you're perfect the way you are, and- and 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 you're like okay thanks let me tussle your hair that looks better bye <laughs> it's bill pullman come on <laughs> i know come on um yeah i just but and and her rejecting him rejecting because i mean he and that's an interesting scene that i think is actually played really well because especially you know in the context of of our current climate um you know a doctor you know, in a, like subtly saying that he's into his patient can be really uncomfortable, but, but I feel like Bill Pullman like towed that line pretty well, Mm -hmm. you know, like remaining professional and kind of like intimating, I kind of like you and I don't want to give you bigger boobs. Yeah. (laughs) Like I think, right. Like don't go through this like long, expensive, probably painful process when you are perfectly wonderful as you are yeah yeah I think I would have been more satisfied the 44 year old in me would have been more satisfied if she if she's not into the doctor fine 
But in that elevator scene, she sneezes. Cliff says, bless you. She turns and looks at him, smiles, elevator doors open, and she walks out. Mm. I think I would like that because it leaves it a little more open-ended where you can, you could, you could, you could interpret it as she's considering him. Yeah. But, or she she walks out of the elevator and she says, well, that's a start or something like that. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like there, you have to, you have to do more than just say, bless you. I forget. Do they kiss? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I just, I just, um, I just didn't get it. Yeah. I need the prequel, Sonia. I know. I know. Um, So you said before that this film is very much a love letter to Seattle. And I would agree with that. I was also really excited. So I went to Seattle last year to visit a friend and also because Fish was playing at the Gorge. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Which is three hours from Seattle. But still, you know, it's a good excuse to stop by, see a friend and go see a few shows. Yeah. And I was so excited because he gave us a wonderful tour of Seattle. And um, then I saw some of the sites that we saw in the film. So there's like they there's one scene where they're walking through Pioneer Square, um, which is a place that we went to and we had coffee at a lovely coffee shop there. And then the scene where um, Linda and Steve, Steve. Why mm-hmm. can't I remember anybody's name? I ever? know I'm having trouble with it too. Vincent? Is it Vincent? No. Victor? <laughs> Is there a Victor in this movie? <laughs> um, but Linda and Steve are like sitting on a bench and it's after they talk about like if they should get married or not. And there's like some weird sculpture-y thing. Mm-hmm. We went th- we went there. Aww. Um so I felt like I was really in the know of Seattle and I was it was it was nice to see some familiar places. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Something that I was really, we'll say tickled by, mm-hmm. <laughs> is um, uh, Debbie's character, uh, <laughs> Debbie Hunt. I loved the whole dating video thing. <laughs> there were so many things I loved about it. And and I remember, I will say, I, I, I feel like when I watched this movie at this point, it was probably two decades ago, mm-hmm. um, thinking like, wow, that's so interesting and advanced and scary, like making a, a video of yourself and sending it out and meeting strangers that way. Um, but now like fast forward into, you know, the world of social media and online dating. And uh, it, it, it was kind of like, it was very forward thinking in a way (laughs) it was but it was also so bizarre like I was trying to think I I enjoyed it as um I enjoyed it as a viewer Mm -hmm. watching it knowing I was watching a movie yeah but then at one point I was like what if I was trying to date someone and this is the video (laughs) that I was looking at and particularly the part where she's flying over Seattle. Like, uh-huh, yeah. I was like, this is so bizarre. Um, but I also want to talk about the return video she gets. Yes. So in particular, the one guy with the balloon. Uh-huh. 
And he puts the thing, the the needle through the balloon. Yeah. And it doesn't pop. Yeah. And then he pulls the needle out and it doesn't deflate. How did he do that? Oh, I don't know. I was really <laughs> hoping IMDB would have some facts about that. <laughs> I have no idea how he did that trick. If any of our listeners know how that trick was pulled off, please tell us. Yeah. Or if anyone has done that trick themselves and would like to make a video of it and send it to us that we can put on our Instagram, we would love to do that. Yeah. Um, if you had been given that collection of videos, would you have also gone for the the biker, the the cyclist guy? I want to say yes, but then knowing how quickly he like shows up at the house and then he's talking in a pam and then like all of a sudden he and pam are all chummy chummy and i don't know like was that did pam seduce him and he so quickly fell for it or was he really just meant for pam i didn't i didn't like that well i think i think they knew each other i think it was it was hinted that they already knew each other and and so when he went looking for debbie at her house um he, you know, Pam is living there and then it's like, oh my God, I know you. And then, yeah. So they, so they had a history. It was unclear to me if they had dated Mm -hmm. in the past. Um, but, but that was a dynamic. Those, those two, Debbie and Pam, I, I wanted more of that because I thought that they were, (laughs) I, I love their, I love that dynamic between the two of them, the scene where they're bargaining, um over who gets to date him and you know for how much money or how many you know weeks of doing the other's laundry and then the guy he overhears the whole thing and he doesn't seem to give a shit he's like all right whatever i will say i was so there were many things in the movie that distracted me mostly it was the like whenever like when allison chains was on stage and then soundgarden was on stage i was like paying attention to the musical performance and not the dialogue that was happening during it Mm -hmm. but in that scene between pam and debbie pam has her hair in a ponytail Mm -hmm. and they shoot her from behind and she's wearing one of the hair ties that has like the little metal piece on it Mm -hmm. and now they make hair ties without that like they're just um oh i had one on my wrist before but it's gone oh yeah Um, you're talking about yeah Yeah. you know they're just whatever so i was so distracted by that and like oh my god (laughs) do you remember the metal piece and then it would get stuck in your hair and i was like (laughs) oh my god you're so right i went down a 90s rabbit hole in my own head Oh, how could you not with this movie? I mean, everything, all of the 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 clothing, mm. um, ev- everything, the hats, the shoes, the black stockings with the jean shorts and the and the flannel shirt. I mean, how yeah. can you? Yeah, there's one outfit that Janet wears where she's wearing like an orange dress and a black hat. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is, I would. I can't, I can't pull off hats. I don't think, but it was so cute. Yeah. I want that. Yeah. I, um, I have, I have things, I have more things to say, but they're all not nice things. Oh, I'm gonna say. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, kind of going back, like I was saying before about how I wanted to see more of the, the Debbie and Pam dynamic. Like Mm -hmm. when I, one of the, one of the things that I, I didn't like about the film was that I, I, I did feel like it felt like there was an imbalance. I think I, I remembered what my memory of it was that there was more of Debbie, that she had more of, um, 
like like the like the, all of these characters had the same amount of screen time essentially mm-hmm. and then watching it this time i felt like debbie's story is barely in the movie yeah i agree know? um and uh and and i thought and the same with janet and cliff like i i thought there was more to the story but but there wasn't and and i remember and again kind of back to janet's character um you know so <sighs> There's so many, there are a few moments in the film after she breaks up with Cliff where we get the sense that she's the kind of person that there's a gravity to her mm-hmm. and, and men are kind of, are, are drawn to her. We see it with, with the doctor. We see it when Cliff decides that he wants to get back together with her. When Steve is in his really low place, he kisses her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't get why. <laughs> Again, I felt like there wasn't enough, you know, other than Bridget Fonda. She's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like you said, she looks adorable in these outfits. And and there is something, you know, innocent and sweet about her. But I I just wanted more. I wanted, I needed more uh, from her and not necessarily the actress but i think just more in the story i it was it was i was missing something there and i don't know if maybe i was just like like there was something there that i missed mm-hmm. or if there was just like this big like gap that that hadn't been filled in the story i can't really respond because i'm going to talk about some of this in the categories mm. so i'm gonna distract you Oh, okay. With the magic trick? You did like the hand wave. <laughs> With the magic trick. Um, no, I'm going to distract you by changing the subject to, I wanted Janet and Steve to be together. I think that was the better pairing. And Interesting. And keeping with the friends theme, I feel mm-hmm. like they were like the Monica and Chandler. Yeah. Where you don't really see it coming but then when it does, you're like, oh, yes, yes, that is what I want. Yeah. Because in Friends, for example, in the early seasons, and I don't think it was on purpose necessarily, or if it was and it was genius, there's so many scenes where like Monica and Chandler are hanging out with everybody, but they're like, she's sitting on his lap or like there's one random scene where they're like holding hands and you're, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really think anything of it. Yeah. And then you watch the show and then you find out they get together and you're like, yes, this is what the viewer wants. This is the couple. This is like, this is better than Ross and Rachel. And then yeah. when you watch the show again and you see those things happening, you're like, it was there all along. Yeah. So I felt that way about Janet and Steve mm-hmm. and I, I sort of loved how, like, they kept saying to each other, it w- this isn't exactly what the quote is, but it's something like, you know, in a past life, we are probably great lovers, but in this life, and then the other one would always say, like, just neighbors. Um, but I was like, no, let's see the past life, because I also think that that would have been, that would have been the right end of Janet's story arc, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've been looking for this rocker man but really what i wanted was in front of me all along yeah do you i i like that idea the only the only thing that would make me sad about that is then linda doesn't end up with anybody and she's the one in the beginning who gets her heart broken so we're kind you know so it's kind of like well 
it's almost like the way the film was set up because she's the first one that we meet. She, her mm-hmm. story is the first one that we see. So yeah. I think from the beginning, we're more invested in, in how things turn out for her, which may be why um, Stephen Stephen's up with her in the mm-hmm. end. But but I see what you're saying. But I, I, th- I think I would have needed more, like more scenes with Linda. Wait, Janet. Sorry, Janet. <laughs> And Steve Victor. <laughs> Vincent. <laughs> like more scenes with Janet and Steve together. Mm-hmm. Um I yeah, I I I I I don't know. It just makes me I I blah, blah, blah. so much of it just felt all over the place. I, I almost feel like they weren't really sure. By they, I mean Cameron Crow. And again, Cameron, I'm so sorry. I think you're brilliant. I just, maybe we can talk about this and mm-hmm. you can explain to me what you were thinking, where you were going with it. Um, it felt like he was trying out some different ideas. There was some, there was something like experimental about the film, like, like early, like er, it was early. It was still kind of early in his career. You mm-hmm. know, he's still a young filmmaker and I feel like he was trying some different things. Yeah. Um, and and the story kind of got lost in 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 the experiment. Yeah. I agree. Sense. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, well, I know you were trying to distract me with some things because some with the hand waves. <laughs> <laughs> um, because so some of this stuff is gonna come up in categories. Do, are you ready for categories? Should we get talk about our categories? I'm ready. I just have one question yes. before we get into it. I'm ready. In the 90s, was like giving your garage door opener to someone you were dating a thing? I <laughs> Maybe that's to be discussed in categories. But... I well, we we could discuss it in categories. Um, let's let's wait till the categories. Okay, <laughs> all right. So, in our last episode, folks, where we discussed uh, Ghostbusters, yes, Jeanette and I scored a whopping zero points. <laughs> so we we've remained at seventy four for a couple episodes, but I, this. I think we're going to get one point. We might get one point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not aiming too high, but I feel like, you know, we've got some synapses burning here. I, I'd be happy with one. Yeah. Okay. okay. So uh, I believe it's my turn to go first. It is indeed. Okay. <laughs> you are not going to like my answer. Oh, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I already but know what it this, is. <laughs> but this is why I couldn't respond to you before. Okay. So my favorite character, I I decided to not choose a cop-out answer because okay. I very easily could have chosen any number of grunge gods. Yes. Like I said, Sonia, don't do that. Pick an actual character. <laughs> So I picked Janet. Okay. And I picked her because I feel like she's like the quintessential early 20s, 90s grunge girl. Um, And I also felt like there was a sense of like, like the 90s girl who's trying to figure out her life is like such a 
character I can identify with because even though I was younger in the early 90s like my appreciation of it came later and then I feel like I would look to these characters to like help me figure out who I was like did you ever watch my so-called life yes like that show like I felt like Janet was an Angela Chase and like you know we all have a little Angela Chase (laughs) um but I also just I don't know I just I loved I love that she experiences things that I think a lot of women particularly when you're younger experience of you know the moment where you're just like I don't care what I have to do or how I change myself and I just want to be with this guy and then you have the moment of realization of like but that's not true to who I am and I can do so much better than this and that's really dumb um so I guess I just I think I liked her because I thought she was the most relatable character and also Mm -hmm. as I said before I really just (laughs) really loved her wardrobe (laughs) (laughs) I I can respect that I think and and I will say when when I was in my 20s she was my favorite character I I know this for a fact like Mm -hmm. the part where 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 Cliff says Janet you rock my world and she just smiles and walks away I remember thinking like yeah of course she does she's amazing and I was like (laughs) I want a guy to say that to me um but I think I was so disappointed in her choice at the end Yeah, that I, I was like, come on. Um, I chose as my favorite character, Dr. Jameson. Oh, <laughs> and I think it's because, because I'm so far removed from my twenties that the 44 year old in me appreciates the one character in the movie. Who's completely grounded. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Who has a stable career who can be direct if he likes somebody he's going to tell them if he Mm -hmm. thinks they shouldn't get a boob job he's going to tell them he's genuine he um he sees janet you know in a way that her boyfriend didn't and um and i like i said before i think that he did a, a nice job bill pullman especially in that performance did I feel like he pulled off the very tricky task of not being creepy and not being like overly charming, but just being a genuinely like slightly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Awkward, shy, you know, like. Yeah. Cause even though what he's doing is like probably pretty inappropriate, yeah. You're actually not that weirded out by it. Like you, right. said, you can tell the intentions are genuine. Yeah. And and like clearly after this exchange, like he doesn't, at least as far as we see, he is not pursuing her further. Right. Yeah. So he's never... like, yeah, like he's giving, he's willing to give her this feedback simply because that is actually how he feels and thinks about this person and doesn't want them to incur pain and costs that they don't need to incur, even if it doesn't benefit him in any way. Yeah. Yeah. We never see him again. And I, and I, and I wonder what happened to him. Did he find somebody? I hope so. You know, I kind of, I, I think I wanted more of that. Um, Cause they're characters that we see and then we never see them again and fine. But a character like that, I feel like, couldn't he have been more a part of the story? Could his 
could his trajectory have overlapped with another character? Yeah. Like, like Debbie. What happens to Debbie in the end? She doesn't. Oh, that's right. She, she meets moves the dad. Away. Yeah. 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 I yeah. yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Can you seat me next to a single man? <laughs> <laughs> and then they put her next to the kid. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that was yeah. good. Okay. Um, my least favorite character was the guy in the beginning who completely, who just like used Linda. I'm totally forgetting his Louise. name. Louise. Louise. I wrote in my notes, he's a douche. He made me so mad. What made me even more mad was that when Linda sees him in the bar, she doesn't say anything to him. She just walks by. And it's interesting because again, when I was in my twenties, I was like, oh my gosh, I would do the same thing. But now I'm watching and I'm like, bitch, say something to him. Punch him in the face. Like, calm I know. Out. And then he just like shrugs. Yeah. Oh, I hated him right, so like, much. If I were her, I would have gone up to whatever honey he was like trying to get with and been like, oh, you want to you want to know something about him? Yeah. Um, I only knew what his name was because I had to look it up so I could put him in written down for my worst character yay <laughs> we got our point we got one point we did it yay. we should just quit while we're ahead <laughs> and thank you for joining us for another episode of nope never saw it <laughs> we'll see you because we've got more to watch and i've seen nothing <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs> okay all right best character arc you're not gonna like my answer oh gosh i know what you're gonna say so i chose janet okay and i kind of went over it already um i like to think though at the end so yes they kiss in the elevator he says bless you i do like to think though that like by pushing him away Mm -hmm. it made him realize that he can't be such a d-bag and she is helping him reform the way that he thinks about her and the relationship by showing him that she's not a pushover and he can't just do whatever he wants. And if he wants to be with her, he needs to be way more considerate. Yeah. And that includes saying, bless you when she sneezes. No, I do just want to give Janet a disclaimer. Like sometimes that's not going to happen. Like I've sneezed many times without Sean saying bless you and I don't think it's that he doesn't love me I think it's just he either doesn't hear me or like he's also heard me sneeze probably no fewer than like 10,000 times (laughs) so he probably just you know he's not gonna say bless you 10,000 times yeah do you know that whenever I hiccup Lee says you're so good looking you are so good looking. Isn't that from Seinfeld? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I think that I think it's sneezing. And then you say you're so good looking. But that's really sweet. It is really sweet. He's been doing it ever since we started dating. I love that. Sean. I know. Feel free to start telling me I'm so good looking. Take Anytime. Some notes, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Break this down. I know you're listening. And you know how often I hiccup. So mm-hmm. my ego is like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Okay, I chose for best character arc, I chose Linda because I feel like because she's the first character that we meet and in her story at the very beginning, like I mentioned before, Louise, that's his name, Mm -hmm. just destroys her. You know, she 
really likes him. Um, she gives him her garage door opener. Well, I, I, I'm sure this is going to come up later. Um, <laughs> the whole garage door opener thing. But and and then so she, you know, this experience um, makes her less trusting of people. She puts up walls. Um, and in her relationship with Steve, I think like you mentioned before, the there's that miscommunication like, oh, you only um proposed to me because I was pregnant if I hadn't been you wouldn't want to be with me and I think that that is because it, I think it's because she's you know she has this trauma of this pre- previous relationship or experience I don't know if we can call it a relationship but um and she's you know she's been hurt she was really really hurt by someone else and I don't think a lot of time had passed between those two yeah um so it made sense to me that she was really hesitant to allow herself to be vulnerable with him and open up to him and, and take those walls down and let him in. Um, but in the end she does. So for me, I, I felt like that was, that was the biggest arc. That was, that was the biggest hurdle that I saw. Okay. Yeah. Good answer. Thank you. Um, for least worst or least worst or least convincing performance, <laughs> you're gonna hate my answer. <laughs> you chose Bridget Fonda. I did. I am, and I'm so sorry, Bridget. Again, I know you're listening. It's not you. I don't think it's you, Bridget. I because I believe that I know you are a very talented actress. I maybe I'm gonna say it, and I'm sorry, Cameron. I don't think there was enough for me. I felt like um, there was just something missing. There was something missing for me. And, and I, and I wasn't convinced that I don't know. I've, I don't know how to explain it. I felt like I was, I, I was supposed to like her character more and find her character more endearing and want to root for her more <laughs> than I actually did. And it's, and it's like I said, like in my twenties, she was my favorite, but, but she was not my favorite this time. So the reason I'm laughing is because your exact rationale for why you chose her is why I chose my character. Oh no. (laughs) Who did you choose? I chose Kira Sedgwick. (laughs) (laughs) Do we get a point for opposite answers? I wish we did. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, so, right. So, like, you, the film opens with Linda, and this really terrible thing happens to her. And she, I think they're trying to set her up to be this really likable character, but I could not stand her. Okay. Um, like, I just, I just felt like she was so, I didn't like how she treated Steve. And I know that that's unfair because she had like she trusted someone Mm -hmm. and then that's what happened. And so then when she was with Steve, she was having a hard time trusting him. But I just I don't know. I just think there was a lack of communication. Um, And I (laughs) I think she's supposed to be a likable character that you're rooting her for rooting you're rooting for and 
you want her to be with Steve, but I wanted Steve and Janet to be together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's so funny. I love how we watched the same movie, but (laughs) like completely different takes on it. Maybe if I watch it in 20 years from now, we should re-record and then we'll have all the same answers. Okay. Except I'll re-record with you now. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? (laughs) Exactly. I don't understand. I don't know either. All right. (laughs) Best performance. I chose Campbell Scott, who played Steve. Okay. Um, I chose him. I thought... You know, we've, I always talk about this. I often choose the person who shows a, a really different range of emotions. Um, and I think he did. And I also, I also chose him because his very first scene is him like talking to the camera, talking about relationships. And his dad told him when he was eight years old, like to stay single. And I like that scene was kind of very off putting. I was like, I am not going to like this character at all. But then as you follow him through the story, you see a lot of really wonderful things about him. And he's a very caring person. And he like kind of takes this risk to to date Linda. And then you see him really upset when that falls apart. You see him really pursuing her and being like, I propose to you because I love you. It's not just because you're pregnant. Um and the scene that really solidified it for me is when he's calling her from the phone booth in the bar or whatever. <laughs> and the guys are banging on the door and he's like, this isn't the bathroom. <laughs> and then he like continues his heartfelt message. And then at the end, he's like, okay, so I'm going to go now, but call me. Okay, bye. And call me back. Okay, bye. Um, I just, that that scene is, he he portrayed it in a way that's so relatable even if you've never even been in that kind of situation before, it's just mm-hmm. like, it really tugs on your heartstrings. Yeah. <laughs> that actually reminds me of a story that has nothing to do with the movie. Oh, I like but it. But I kind of want to share it with you now. Mm-hmm. This is a story about me being a total asshole and not realizing it until 10 years later. Oh, no. So, okay. When I was, um, I must have been 19. I think I was like 19 years old and I had spent the summer in Cleveland and I was working for Habitat for Humanity and I was away from my family the entire summer and this is before cell phones Mm -hmm. and I was like living in a church for most of the summer and then like it's a yeah and then um (laughs) I won't get into all of that. And then like a halfway house, not because I needed to be in a halfway house (laughs) because that's where they housed us like in between like work weeks. And, um, but every week we would go, cause we worked with like, we would have like teenagers come like high schoolers and we take them to a work site and we'd build houses or whatever. Um, and every, and every week we'd get new, new kids. And one of the outings that we do, we'd go to Lake Erie and there was a payphone there And that would be like one of the few times I had access to a phone so I could like call my parents and let Mm -hmm. them know I'm still alive. Um, And so, but these calls, you know, I'd call collect. And for those of you who don't know what that is, (laughs) (laughs) calling collect is when you would call from a payphone, but instead of like plugging a quarter in every 20 minutes or 10 minutes, um, you're the person you're calling 
accepts the charges and they pay for the call. Mm-hmm. So I would call collect. Or they don't. And when you say your right. name, you say everything you want to say. <laughs> exactly. Pick me up. I'm outside the high school. <laughs> Remember that commercial? It's like, I had a baby. It's a boy. <laughs> so... So I remember, I very specifically remember this one time I called home and I'm talking to my mom and the whole time the payphone is like attached to this, um, like one of those, like, play, you know, it's like a bathroom kind of area. And I'm staring at the phone the whole time. My back is to whatever's going on behind me. I must've been on the phone for like 45 minutes. <laughs> and then I hang up and I turn around and as I'm turning around, I hear the person say to me, don't worry, hon, you'll get to see your mom soon. But he was really sarcastic about it. And then I noticed there was like a really long line of people (laughs) behind me waiting to use the phone. And I didn't even think about it. I was like, you, I was like, my parents are in New Jersey. (laughs) I walked away. (laughs) And it wasn't until a decade later I thought about it. And I was like, that was very inconsiderate of me to be on a public phone for that long. And there was a whole line of people waiting to use the phone. I think if you had been facing the other direction and you saw the line, like lining up, I think mm-hmm. you would have gotten off the phone. I think if someone, if someone had tapped me on the shoulder and been like, I'm, I'm sorry, are you going to be on the phone much longer? And I saw the line, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But I had no idea anyway. But that scene, like that scene with Steve talking on the payphone, reminded me of that, even though in this instance, it wasn't people waiting to use the phone. They thought it was a bathroom. Yeah. I do agree though. I do. I do like that scene and I do love him in the film. I didn't pick him for best performance, but I love your answer. Thank you. Um, I chose for best performance, Sheila Kelly, who plays Debbie Hunt. Love Debbie. (laughs) I loved her so much. I, I thought she was, she was so funny. I think she's really, she's like the main piece of humor in the entire film and it's very much needed humor. I never realized how like heavy some of the um some of the content of the film is. Um but I and what I liked about her character and how she played this role was that Debbie is very much a caricature but not to the point where I couldn't stand her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There was mm-hmm. still something I felt like she could have been an actual person. Yes. Um, I love the way she tell reminds Pam to rinse the dishes before putting them in the dishwasher. <laughs> and she's like, no, you got to rinse them because otherwise you get all the chunky stuff in there. And she's um, I loved her, her dating video. Um, the, the part where she's like, can you seat me next to a single guy? <laughs> So, and she's like, <laughs> she's like leaning over the counter, kind of like sort of hiding her face. It's, yeah. It's so good. She's, she's so eccentric. And like I said, I, I wanted more of her, although maybe if there had been more of her, I would have been annoyed by her. I'm not sure. Um, I, I love, and, and I love how she could be dressed in a, in a very like brightly colored bikers uniform uniform like I say bike I should say cyclist mm-hmm. um garb but then she's got like the scarf tied around her head and the big glasses like she's yeah. very Hollywood um I don't know I she was she was my I she was um not my favorite but she was one of my favorites I don't know why I didn't pick her favorite character but I picked her for best performance all right okay which brings us to you lost me at all right, Sonia, I had some runners up. <laughs> okay. 
The first one we already talked about, Cliff and Janet's relationship. I just didn't get it. Doesn't make sense to me. Um, the second one you had mentioned before, the garage door opener. <laughs> I I wrote in my notes, is this a thing that people do? Is that a sign that you're moving to the next level in your relationship? I don't know. And like, as I said before, I feel like I've consumed a lot of 90s content and I've never seen that before. So I was very confused. Maybe it was a Seattle thing. See, here's what I'm thinking. And this is why it didn't be, it wasn't my ultimate you lost me at. Mm -hmm. Like I was thinking maybe it's a Seattle thing because there's always this, there's this talk about like, oh, or maybe I'm confusing this with um, married at first sight. But isn't there an issue with parking? Am I making this up? Like, there's not really a lot of street parking. Maybe there's not a lot of street parking in Seattle. So having, because when she gets her, when she talks about her apartment in the beginning, she's like really excited about that she has Mm -hmm. parking. She has this garage door. So part of me was like, maybe it's a Seattle thing. And so by offering your extra garage door opener to somebody, that's like, a sign of you know saying like it means a couple things like I want to be the person that makes your life easier and this is access to my home and to me but and then at the end when when Linda and Steve get back together and they're making out on is it her couch and then they're and then they're oh, the garage yeah. door openers under them and it keeps opening and closing and then I was like oh maybe I guess it's a metaphor like she's finally like letting him in and opening up to him just as the garage door is opening and closing and opening and closing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could imagine it's probably hard to park in most cities. Yeah. Okay. But my, my ultimate you lost me at was the, the talking heads. I really, I, and I, this kind of ties in with what I was saying before about how I felt like there were, some of part some some aspects of the film were like experimental but they just didn't land for me the the talking heads was one of those things i mainly because i don't know why they needed to be there in the first place i felt like they felt really they felt really awkward to me like they felt i, I don't know if it was because i don't think there's any music playing in the background for any of them they felt very performative they felt like they belonged on a stage. Well, because they were also weird because it's like, then what's the format of the film? Because like yeah. I, when they first did that, it makes it seem like the film is going to be shot almost like documentary style. Yeah. But then but then it goes into like a very normal film format. Right. And then they go, but then they go back to it. And then it's also weird that then there's their like also kind of in line with the documentary thing. Then they have like segments like this segment is called this. Yeah. Um, I had the same answer. Shut the fuck up. You shut, you shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I, can we talk a little bit more about this? Okay. Wow. I, I'm so excited that we had the same answer and I'm so sorry for cursing because I did not see that coming. No, I was very excited that we had the same answer. I, I I tried. So I like when the second you said that, I was like, don't react. Don't react. Just be normal. (laughs) Just be cool. Play cool. Be cool. (laughs) I, I just, Tonya, I, 
here's the other thing that I didn't understand. Like all the things that you said, yeah, because it indicates, okay, so we're going to be doing like a documentary style. We'll be coming back to these talking heads, but we don't, we get Linda's, we get Janet, we get Steve. And then it's not until act three when we get Cliff's talking head, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense to me. It would make more sense if one of them were breaking the fourth wall the entire time, not the entire time, but like, like, like it would be interesting if Cliff were the one, because I feel like he's sort of like a little bit on the outside of all of this and maybe observing. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's the one who's like, telling us the story yeah you know what i mean like right like it's like this is a documentary about this band citizen dick (laughs) and then this is kind of what's happening in the background of the band so like cliff is the one to be narrating it in a way or the other thing is like if you're gonna do this and introduce these characters and you have these talking heads then like when something major happens then there should have been another talking head to talk about that situation but there's not. Yeah. It just, it didn't, it didn't make any sense to me with the format of the movie. I like that they had the different segments and and how like the titles of the segments tied in with what the characters say or what they're going through. And I, I really liked that a lot. But the talking heads, I didn't understand them at all. I didn't know why they needed to be there. I hated them. Yeah. I'm so excited we got that answer. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We've come to You Had Me At. Now, I told you last week that I I hadn't watched the film yet, but I already had my You Had Me Yet, mm-hmm. and it held up. Okay. So I will say my runner-up, which maybe is what you thought my You Had Me Yet was going to be. My runner-up is the soundtrack. Oh, that's what I thought your, your You Had mm-hmm. Me Yet would be. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's a very close, it's a very close tie. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I said before... Anytime any band was performing, I was distracted because I was paying attention to the band Mm -hmm. and I was not paying attention to the dialogue. (laughs) There's one scene where like a screaming tree song is playing and I was just listening to the song and not paying attention to the dialogue. And it was like an important scene between uh, Steve and Linda. I think they were talking about the baby. I don't remember. Anyway, (laughs) my you had me at was just Chris Cornell. Okay. I just love him so much. So I have some facts and then just some things to share. So originally Cameron Crowe wanted Chris Cornell to play Cliff. And I'm so glad he didn't because Cliff was a terrible character. Mm -hmm. Chris Cornell turned down the role because of the filming schedule. And he really was focusing on Soundgarden um, because this was early days ish for Soundgarden and they were just kind of you know exploding on the scene and Cameron Crowe ended up giving him that um the cameo and then the band performs in one scene also that cameo is amazing because I feel like (laughs) I just love how like this thing is happening and he like walks out and he's just like you know surveying the scene like nods his head and then leaves (laughs) um also the Chris Cornell in this film is like my favorite Chris Cornell like early 90s long hair when I don't blow dry my hair I feel like my hair looks very similar to that and (laughs) and then this scene where he's performing and he's got like his shirt off like that is just my favorite Chris Cornell 
Um, I also love, so he saw when he was, you know, starting to work on this film, he saw what the like list of songs were that Citizen Dick was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, none of the songs are like really featured in the film, but he decided to basically write music for all of the different films based on just what their titles were. Um, One of the songs is called Seasons and that song is featured in the film. And that's one of the songs that I think he's pretty well known for. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. If you don't know it, I would recommend listening to it. Um, And then another one was Spoon Man, which is a pretty famous Soundgarden song, but the version that's in the film is like a very rough cut of it. So I'm, I think it was probably like a demo version, but it was very exciting to hear it. I was like, this is Spoon Man, but Spoon Man didn't come out until like 94, 95. (laughs) Um, So that was really excellent. But I just, I just love him so, so much. Um, I know, you know, there's been a lot of people in the grunge scene who have died in really tragic ways. Unfortunately, Chris Cornell was one of them. And I think a lot of people had a very strong reaction when Kurt Cobain died. Mm-hmm. I was really young. So I like I remember my sister was heartbroken and I was sad. I just didn't get it really. So like when I remember saying to my sister, when Chris Cornell died, I was like, this is my Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I just love him and his music so, so much. Oh, I love that answer. And so I just, yeah. yeah. I love that. I was like, after he died, I was like, really not okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was really, it was like, I felt like I was like mourning someone I knew personally. It was yeah. really, really, really tough. Well, I mean, when when you know someone's music, you feel like you know the person because so mm-hmm. much of who they are spills into that art. So yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you for sharing that. Oh, of course. Thank you for letting <laughs> me go on a Chris Cornell tirade. It won't be the last time. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I um, I didn't have the same answer. <laughs> what? But, <laughs> what? But it's interesting because my runner-up was also the soundtrack and and the '90s. Yeah. Gar, because as I as I said before, I you know I I was a '90s girl. I mean, I was like an '80s '80s childhood 90s adolescence yeah um my you had me at was all of the cameos like all of these actors and directors um and musicians but mostly the actors and directors because I'm more of a film person Mm -hmm. um that that popped up and I was like holy shit that's Paul Giamatti holy and and the and the Mm -hmm. Eric Stoltz who's the mime and the whole time I'm like I was laughing so hard I was like is that Eric Stoltz (laughs) Um, so Eric Stoltz, Paul Giamatti, Tom Skerritt, who's the mayor, Jeremy Piven, mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Masterson, who's, uh, he's the young Steve, yep. but he was also in, um, uh, oh my gosh. Malcolm in the middle. Malcolm in the middle. Um, Tim Burton. Uh-huh. Victor Garber. Like I was losing my mind, Sonia. Victor or Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't, um, Jeremy Piven right? That's his name, Jeremy Piven. Uh-huh. Aren't all his lines ad-libbed? A lot. Yeah. A lot of it's ad-libbed. And apparently it, um, you probably read this, that um, his scene costs the film a lot of money because oh, he really? was referencing all these songs. I mean, does he sing some songs and you have to pay the copyright for that? Uh-huh. So it ended up being super expensive. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. 
All right. This brings us to our favorite line. I didn't even, I knew exactly once I heard the line, I was like, oh yeah, this is my favorite. It's when Debbie, it goes to the video store to, um, register to have her dating video made uh-huh. and she's introduced the to, to the director who is Tim Burton, by the way. Uh-huh. And, and the girl says to her, he's only like the next Martin Scorsese. <laughs> That's my favorite line. And, Cause I would, and I, and I would say that a lot anytime, you know, be like, is this person? I'd be like, he's only like the next Martin Scorsese. I, that line gets me every time. That was and it's, funny. And it's fun to say out of context. I did laugh out loud at that line. Yeah. We don't have a point there. No, I know. Um, so my favorite line is one that I think kind of sums up the film in a way. Okay. Um, and I also feel like, so I feel I will say in my life, I never really had, like, I've never really had a single period. And sometimes. (laughs) Think about what you just said. (laughs) Let's get. You've never had a single period. (laughs) All right. Let's, let's back up and let's edit that out. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) No, thank you for drawing that to my attention because that's embarrassing. So let's, okay. We'll delete, delete. Okay. In my life, I've never really had a time where I have not been in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had my first boyfriend who coincidentally wish on mm-hmm. um, only for a short period of time in, when I was in high school. And then, you know, I've just sort of been dating someone. So I've never been single, really. Mm-hmm. And I... I'm happy for the way that my life has turned out and I wouldn't change anything, but there are definitely times where I think about like, you know, I wonder if I'd be a different person or I wonder just what my experiences would be like if this hadn't been how my life was. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially now that I am older and I think, you know, more comfortable with myself. I really enjoy alone time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think about that a lot too in the context of like, if I don't have alone time, I will now create space for myself or just, you know, try to do my own thing just to like spend a little time with myself. So anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> long story short, my favorite line is said by Janet. Um, and she says, being alone, there's a certain dignity to it. Oh, I like that line. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's part of a series of like when she's talking about breaking up with Cliff. But that was the piece of it that I pulled out. Yeah. I do like that line. And I think because I agree with it. Yeah. 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 It's true. Um, like there's a there's a sense of like peace at being happy with being alone. Yeah. And being be- by yourself, even if you're not truly alone, like just having your time. Yeah, because it means that you like yourself mm-hmm. and you need to, you need to like yourself before you can be in a relationship with another person. Yeah. If you don't like yourself. How the hell are you going to love someone else? Isn't that what RuPaul says? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. No, I do, I do like that line a lot. Yeah. All right, Sonia. We made it. We did it. And we scored two points, so we're now up to 76. Okay. 
we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting, we're, we're creeping. Sonia, do you have any final thoughts before we move on? I will just say that I'm really glad to finally have watched this movie because it's definitely some, it's definitely something that I've been interested in for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had such a joy just watching it and like seeing all the the various musicians and like, you know, as you said, like kind of picking up on the Easter eggs and it, it was really, really lovely. And uh, at later that night, after we watched the movie, Sean and I went to like listen to a record mm-hmm. and I was like, we're listening to Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You can't go wrong. You can never I know go I, wrong with Pearl Jam. I feel bad. I feel like we didn't really talk about Eddie Vedder, but he did a great job in the film too. Yes, he did. <laughs> I know there was, one, there was, I was like, that's Eddie Vedder, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, at least I know that. Yeah. And Jeff <laughs> Ammett was. was in it. It was Stone Gossard was there. They were all there. Yeah, of course. All those guys. Yeah. I know who mm-hmm. all those people are. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is time to move on. Okay. Um, I had I had a film in mind, and you know how I make my calendar and everything, and I plan ahead. But I decided to pivot <gasps> because the film I was originally going to have us watch next, I was starting to feel bad because I keep like throwing these throwbacks at you. Okay. Um, and and uh, and and I feel like you know, and I don't want to do that too much, too many of those in a row. Um, so I decided to go with a movie that's a little more current. Okay. And I'm kind of hoping that you like it. I, I enjoy this movie. So Sonia, the next film that we are going to be watching is Jacob. Tommy roll, please. Book smart. Oh, okay. Sonia, what's it about? Um, Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein, who is Jonah Hill's sister. What? How did yeah. I not know that? Yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted you. Go ahead. No, but you're <laughs> going to have to put that in the recap. of. The I guess I will. <laughs> including all of this. Oh my God, I'm going <laughs> to shut up. Okay. They are friends and they're in high school and they're like smart girls. And I think that they want to try to have some sort of experience that they've never had before, before they graduate from high school. I'm not sure what that experience is. Um, Perhaps it's a sexual experience, but that's also like that other movie, American Pie. And I think that this movie is not the same type of movie. So that's what happens. Okay. That was a pretty good summary. When you were when you were giving your summary, I was like, wait, have you seen it? Oh, okay. So I'm pretty on the ball. <laughs> you're here. you're you're pretty close. You're pretty okay, yeah. Then. Some some parts, well, but no, but you are. You got you got the basics. But that's all I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. I think I think you might like this movie, but I think I don't know. Actually, I don't know anymore, Sonia. I'm an enigma. You are an enigma. I'm not, I'm just going to, I'm going to not have any expectations. Okay. It's more fun that way. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about Booksmart with you and drinking whatever cocktail you pick. 
But for now, that's the end of our episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at NNSIPod. And if you enjoy our podcast like John Mulaney does, tell your friends. They can find us wherever they listen to their podcasts. Like and subscribe and all the things. And join us next time with your cocktail at the ready when we talk about book smart. We'll see you then because we've got lots more to watch. And I've seen nothing. So please keep listening and we'll keep watching. Bye. Bye.